want it now, don't you? What is it? Hmm, doesn't matter. Whatever it is, if you have it in your mind that you want it, you likely aren't thinking that you want it later or at some point in the future. No, you want it now. Now, I'm not talking about a muffin for breakfast or a nap after lunch or a beer after work. If you're hungry, eat. If you're tired, sleep. If you're thirsty, drink. No, I'm talking about things in life that, generally speaking, you should welcome the chance to work for, to earn, like someone's love or people's respect or your own occupational success. But let's be honest. We're enamored by the glamour that comes with getting things fast and seduced by the idea of getting things easily and smitten with the image and reputation that comes with being or having what everyone else spends their time waiting or working for. In fact, try talking to a kid about preparation and how important it is when you run into a little thing called opportunity or timing. Now, those of us who've been out here grinding for a while know that the answer to this is as factual as one plus one being two. Preparation plus opportunity is the formula for success. So there are drawbacks to getting things before you're ready to have them, because the fact of the matter is, things, if they are worth it, they take time. And the reality is, outside of those who, for the most part, peak in their careers before age 30, the athlete, the YouTube sensation, or the very rare prodigy, most won't see their true selves realized until they've put in some significant time preparing for it, which, I hate to break it to you, doesn't usually come within the confines of youth. But... How much time, you ask? Well, maybe that's none of your business. The question isn't, do you want it now? We know the answer to that. Maybe the question should be, are you willing to withstand the time, the pain, the rejection, again, the time, the moments you're overlooked or ignored, the moments you're taken for granted, underpaid or not paid at all? Again, the time. How about the people who get what you want before you? Who might be younger than you? Less qualified than you? Or don't even want it as much as you do? And again, the extremely long fucking time it might take, sheesh, that stand between you getting where and what you want. I'm Kayana Ebony Brown. And this is a story of music and men. I was barely a teenager when I decided what I wanted to be when I became a grown-up. 
the owner of my very own business. But what I didn't know was that it would require doing a whole lot of things I don't particularly want to do, and even more things I'm not particularly good at. And that's just the being a grown-up part. Sometimes I feel like I have to put the adult thing on hold to focus on the more important entrepreneur thing, which was actually finally starting to feel like it might be paying off after only God knows how many hours of toiling away at it. The sun was particularly shiny that morning, which coincided with the unseasonably warm, although quite typical of D.C., spring weather we'd been having. I try to never rely on an alarm clock to get me up. Thanks to the sun imposing itself on my face at 7.02 that morning, I didn't have to. By 9.02, my teeth had been brushed, my hair had been made in a way I wanted to present it, and I was dressed albeit from the waist up, in a collared blouse and blazer, prepared for my big meeting in front of my computer camera. Uh, We've seen uh, um, steady growth in our show attendance as as well as across um, social media. I looked and sounded nervous, glancing back and forth between the screen and the paper on the desk in front of me where I jotted some points I wanted to cover. But I wasn't nervous, and I wasn't unprepared. See, the event was a gala at the Kennedy Center called DC Honors, an annual shindig to recognize some of the city's most talented and influential citizens. Public servants, small business owners, artists, teachers, you know, the folks who kept the place afloat. My goal was to have them feature TK as a guest performer at the ceremony. And as much as I'd like to take full credit for getting to this point in the selection process, where I was talking to a board member via computer screen, I can't. Because see, here's how I got here. About a week before this early morning digital meeting, TK was testing out some new material at an open mic when a guy approached me after her set. Um, excuse me, are you Taj Kamal's manager? I turned around and found the bright, blue-eyed glare of an obvious fan staring back at me, awaiting my response. I took a moment to consider my answer because although it would appear that I was TK's manager, because I do, in fact, do all the things a manager is supposed to do, I'm not a manager. I am the head of a label. But at this point in the game, honestly, this was just semantics. So I replied, Yeah, I handle her business, yes. How may I help you? He stuck out his hand, and before I could take it, he was already introducing himself. I'm the director of honors programming at the Kennedy Center. My name is Blaine Stanfeld. He could see the look of slight confusion on my face, so he proceeded to explain. It's an annual gala that honors DCs. I'm very familiar with it. I'm just wondering why I'm inquiring about Taj Kamal's business. I smiled. He'd taken the thought right out of my head. And then he smiled, revealing clear braces that looked like they had already done the job they'd been installed to do. 
His freckly alabaster skin brought out the orange in his full head of hair. And he couldn't even pass for 30 if he tried, but because of the fact that he mentioned his obvious weight-bearing job title before he even stated his name, I bet he never had to worry about his age causing any problems. I'd like for you to consider submitting TK's name to our board as one of the featured performers for this year's event. I quickly said, I don't need to consider it. It'd be, well, an honor. <laughs> we shared a laugh at my corny little pun. <laughs> I'm, I'm a huge, huge fan of her work. I have every song she's ever put out, so I'd personally like to see her on that stage. He pulled out a card and pointed it at me. Email my assistant a press kit, and I promise you, you'll hear back from me very soon. I took the card and thanked him. The press kit he'd requested was in his inbox before he started work the next morning. And as promised, he got right back to me. But connecting with Blaine only qualified as step one. Step two was convincing the committee. And a version of Blaine 30 years in the future, looking back at me on the screen through black-rimmed glasses, was the committee's sole representative for this meeting, Doug Leone. He looked like a character J.R.R. Tolkien would have dreamed up. With his milky, flawless, translucent skin, deep-set brown eyes and platinum, more salt than pepper, hair. His glasses, bow tie, and blazer added a borderline nerdy look to his otherwise academic appearance, which probably played well for him considering the significant time he spent building his resume in management in the sports world. He was youthful and fit, and I only knew he was post-50 because it was in his bio. Maybe it was because of how strongly I felt about how great of an opportunity this would be for my artist. Or maybe it was simply because the guy I was talking to smiled a lot, which did bring a level of comfort to the conversation that it wouldn't have otherwise had. But I wasn't nervous, and despite how I might have come across, I wasn't unprepared. I was, however, mentally trying to find the right way to sway someone who had no idea why he was even talking to me, wasn't a fan of my artist's music, and who obviously didn't get why his co-worker, who was half his age, would even suggest adding TK to this caliber of an event when she had never been part of it before. Um, may I ask, have you listened to any of Taj Kamal's music? I inquired. He didn't say no, but he didn't say yes either, which meant that he hadn't. He instead went with, Miss Shaw, this event does reach an array of people from all walks, all ages, and we are trending a little younger this year, the 40 to 55 age group for both the broadcast and the live show. Miss Shaw, I, I admire your grit, and I'm rooting for you personally, but I'll be honest. And he stopped to consider his words for a moment, perhaps finding a way to cushion his next blow. For events of this caliber, we usually go with music, artists that is, that are more universal. We do a lot with hip-hop, but, and this is no offense to you, 
there's a certain audience that hip-hop targets that's just not quite what we're going for with this event specifically. I won't lie. It really hurt to hear this. This type of thinking was one of the many hurdles I'd faced since starting my company that was perhaps slowing me down from getting where and what I wanted. See, like adulthood, running your own business doesn't come with a manual, so you won't have a clue what you're doing. And odds are, you won't have very much help at first. And like I did for the first few years of running my own record company, Hell, like I did to start off this very important conversation with this guy. You'll more than likely suck at it terribly. Until you decide to toss the remaining fucks you've always given out the nearest window and just go for it, whatever it may be. So as if a hand had begun pressing in the middle of my back, My posture changed, and I became more upright in my seat as my goal for this conversation changed. Now, whether I got what I sought when we began the call or not, I wasn't going to let this guy leave the meeting without knowing how wrong he was. Not only about TK's fit for this caliber of an event, but also how his worldview of music and audiences in general was just antiquated and short-sighted and a disservice to his audience. Well, thank you for your consideration, Mr. Leone. But let me tell you a quick story before we end this meeting. I was about eight when I found out the truth about music. See, I grew up right here in D.C. in an old house as an only child who spent the majority of my time with someone much older than me, my grandma, And even though there were more than 50 years between us, we shared one love, and that was for music. So one day, while she was making us peanut butter and jelly sandwiches or something for lunch, and I sat there watching, of course, with the radio playing in the background, right as the song was ending and the next one was beginning, I asked her, how do all those people fit in there? And she looked at me, her eyebrows wrinkled so tightly that I could almost see a literal question mark on her face. (laughs) So I tried to clarify by saying, the people playing the music, how do they all fit? And she said, how do they all fit where? Sweetie, do you think that the people are in our radio playing the music? And of course, I laughed and said, no, I don't think they're in our radio. It's too small. But the place, wherever they are, how do all of the singers and musicians fit in that room? She smiled and her head tilted back a bit as she was now understanding what I was actually trying to ask her. And she explained to me that the sounds coming through the radio speakers weren't being played live somewhere by musicians each time the song changed but that it was made long before it got to the radio station. She told me how writers, or even the musicians themselves, would sit down and create the song. The words and the sounds. They would go to something called a studio, where they could play the music while it was being captured on a machine in order to make it sound perfect. And in order to make lots of copies of it, like the collection of records she owned. 
After that, a whole other process commenced before, say, an eight-year-old got wind of it. She said that this, of course, was a process that required lots more people, ones with special skill sets that could make you want to hear it over and over and over again. This meant they worked with other people with skills that could get the music any and everywhere you are. And another set of people who could get other people to talk about it, write about it, and spin it so that it would come through the speakers at clubs and parties and cars and earphones and my radio. All of these people and processes and systems are instrumental to making sure that little eight-year-old me and the millions of other people, people who lived all across the world, could have various opportunities to hear it and want it and have a piece of it, just like those records she owned. Yeah, I was devastated and yeah, a little heartbroken that the artists weren't somewhere playing the songs live every time I heard it on the radio. But that whole process of making perfect copies that could get played again and again, finding ways to make people who wanted it, and making ways for them to get it, fascinated me. But that's when I realized something crucially important that would, from then on, control the trajectory of my life. I didn't want to just hear music, and I didn't need to make music myself. And I certainly didn't want to be the person that just played music for others. I wanted to be one of the people with the unique ability to make all of this happen. And that, that's what I'm trying to do right now, Mr. Leone. He fought off the urge to smile. And as his face seemed to loosen up a bit, perhaps empathizing with my story, I took this as permission to go on. Listen, uh, with all due respect, Mr. Leone, the hip-hop generation is made up of people who look as much like you as they do me. The reason why we're even in this meeting is because your director is a fan of my artist's work. In fact, the growth we've seen in our sales is a 200% increase, and that's reflected across streaming and live attendance, and that is just in the last 12 months. 62% of these people at our shows are neither black, nor women, nor are they even millennials or Gen Z. In fact, I could say that this audience is made up of the same people that made Hamilton a hit. That's Gen X and boomers. Sure, young black kids are a segment of my customer base. Yes, but again, Blaine Stanfield, your director of programming, is the reason we're even talking. He began nodding his head, and I could only hope that he was taking my words to heart. Look, I'm trying to build something here. A record company in a city known more for that house of cards down there on Capitol Hill than it is anything artistic or musical. But we, and I do mean you and I, we have a chance to do something very special. Let's not let Hamilton be your only foray into a culture and an art form that, come on, let's face it, is not going anywhere. Your event is with and about the people of this city. What better way to honor them than feature a musician who speaks to and for them? Yeah.
that conversation with the Kennedy Center folks, that was seven months ago. I'd like to think that I've gotten better at selling myself and my business without having to feel antagonized before exuding confidence. But see, the thing about running a business is that it's no different than any other aspect of life. It doesn't come with a manual, and you'll suck at everything at first. Until, at some point, you don't. The John F. Kennedy Center for the Performing Arts sits right on the Potomac, overlooking the river on one side and the famous Watergate on another. On any given night, you might be able to catch a play, ballet, dance, or musical performance, as it's the busiest and arguably the most famous and prestigious performing arts venue in the entire country. Now on this crisp November evening, Months in the making after a few back and forths with Mr. Leone and the board, that auditorium was filled with adults, evident by their fine threads and expensive fragrances. Not exactly the type of attire TK was used to seeing when she looked out into the crowd. Nevertheless, with the help of her band, she got the entire place on their feet during her performance. And they remained there, applauding well after she was finished. Naturally antisocial, TK only stayed for the reception afterward for the food. I, on the other hand, chose to use this time seeking out the assistance of the folks in decision-making positions. The Kennedy Center is, by far, the most distinguished place in the city for promoting the arts. This was my opportunity to meet anyone who remotely mattered here. But I was truly seeking people who didn't exactly matter, yet, to make certain they knew my name and what I was doing. I've learned that when you're trying to build something, anything, like I was with this record company, you make sure to give a handshake with the same level of firmness to the assistant as you do the people who you think you really want to know. Because who do you think is going to answer or ignore your email, or put your phone call through, or pass along your message? It likely won't be someone who's a big shot already. Many of the same well-dressed folks from the audience, as well as the awards recipients, were now socializing, drinking, and laughing in a more relaxed setting, sharing conversations about events they frequent, and the donations they make to this and other area arts establishments. TK finished her soda and allowed the server to take her empty plate from in front of her. For a moment, she sat there, overhearing stories of absolutely no interest to her. So after about another minute or so of this, she figured it was time to go, so she stood up and she walked toward the exit. Hey, hey, that, hey, that was, that was an awesome performance back there. TK turned to see a man standing behind her, smiling as hard as he possibly could. He was somewhere in the ballpark of 50, although he looked spry and moved quite well. He approached, expecting a handshake, as he made it closer, which TK reluctantly obliged. 
Remember, shaking hands, touching at all, wasn't something she did, and she especially didn't do so with those of the opposite sex. But knowing that this could sometimes come across as cold and standoffish, she sometimes made concessions depending on the circumstance. Bob, Bob Pagano, all the kids call me Mr. Pagano. (laughs) He began laughing and shaking his head at his own words. That's that's so stupid. I mean, I'm a man. I mean, what what else would they they call me? (laughs) TK could see that the guy was nervous. And TK herself was starting to get a little nervous, but for a different reason. The guy was starting to seem a little creepy. What I actually meant to say was, I'm Bob Pagano. I'm the recipient of the Teacher of the Year Award. Oh, oh, okay. TK said, a bit relieved. Congratulations. Thanks. And then to keep the conversation going, he said, Hey, someone told me you were in education yourself. Oh, yeah. Um, I teach world history over at H.D. Woodson High. It's kind of like my day job. Oh, yeah, I I totally get it. God gotta pay the bills, right? (laughs) I mean, I just finished my 12th album myself. TK wasn't quite sure she liked what she was hearing. And the grimace that overtook her face made that fact quite apparent. Reading TK's contorted countenance, blanketed by lack of understanding of what she was being told in the moment, Mr. Pagano decided rather than just tell her, he'd show her. Toby grabs more evolution bars. He remembers to pay. Jackson is aware that mug abduction is a mean display. Tina wrote an accordion essay. It was good till about halfway. And right there, surrounded by some of DC's finest dignitaries, Mr. Pagano busted a rhyme. He even began to draw a crowd around them who provided the rhythm for him with synchronized claps. Now, Bob was one of those people who had been trying to come up with a solution to the preparation plus opportunity problem for the better part of both his personal and professional lives. Although the professional part is of the most concern to me, I think you should at least know that this man, who, if he were a woman, would easily be considered a spinster, had gone to incredible lengths to ensure that he would not only have the life he dreamed of as a younger man, but that he'd be ready for it when the opportunities presented themselves. But, as much as we hate to acknowledge it, the preparation is often the only part that we control. The opportunity, however is almost always the part where the universe has all the say-so. Robert Pagano, or Bob as he preferred, was single and childless, and it wasn't for lack of trying not to be. But he always wanted those things in the right order, and, well, the opportunity for marriage had never been right. And so the opportunity, as far as what he could control, for children had yet to present itself, either. Now, as for his career, he'd done fine as a teacher, a profession he got into when he was 28, evident by the award he'd just been given that night. No, it wasn't his first choice for the type of work he saw himself devoting his life to. Bob always wanted to be a rapper. It was a dream of his, since he first heard the sound of rhyming words over break beats. 
Now, whether Bob was ever any good at this is completely subjective. Plenty of rappers have gone on to fame and fortune without having obvious talent, or talent compared to those who we don't question whether they're good. But no one could ever question his dedication to the craft and his hustle. He had lived through the era of selling tapes from trunks of cars, burning CDs, and he had even been signed, shelved, and eventually dropped by a record company once, so apparently somebody thought he was okay. But like many artists, despite his efforts and years of commitment, the opportunity to break through and be big time just never materialized. Maybe, though, the fame and the fortune of it all just wasn't in the cards for him. And maybe he was okay with that. Or maybe it was, maybe it's me. Maybe I'm projecting. Maybe a part of me believes that everybody does everything with the hopes of being the biggest, the brightest, and the best at what they're doing because that's part of my goal for the things that I do. Maybe it was I who presumptuously thought that the desire to rap inevitably came with the desire to sell millions of records and do the rapping in front of millions of people. Maybe I shouldn't believe that everybody wants the same things that I would. Again, maybe this, as hard as it may be for me to believe, self-producing and releasing his own music, maybe it was enough for him. Maybe teaching advanced placement mathematics paid the bills comfortably and making music, despite how limited the audience, little the support, and the fact that there was obviously no return on the investment. Maybe it brought about a satisfaction with just the artistic release. Yeah, all of this explaining I'm doing for Mr. Pagano sounds nice. But TK, who could feel herself inching closer and closer to 29 with every second that passed as she stood there watching and listening to this 52-year-old guy attempt to convince her that he could have been Rakim or Big Daddy Kane had he been afforded the break, she was feeling something else. Fear. She never thought about how long she would juggle teaching and music. Until right now. She felt like she was potentially staring herself in the mirror, and that was scary. In her mind, she was the best, and she wanted to be recognized as such. She had been pursuing a career in hip-hop now for more than half her life. No doubt she was prepared for her opportunity. She had always been the very patient type, but in that moment... There was absolutely no doubt. She wanted it now. So as everyone else seemed to find Bob Pagano's impromptu freestyle cipher to be charming, rather welcoming actually, and surprising, Taj Kamal was silently having an existential panic attack.
This episode of Of Music and Men was written and produced by me, Kayana, with express permission and the help of some of the most incredible indie artists in the world. Music for this episode was provided by Filmstro, arranged and designed for this episode by yours truly. We also had music from Legang. Come on, let's go. And you can find a free download of that song in our show notes. We also have music by Mona Wanderlich. You can also get a free download of that. We're giving out free downloads all over the place. So you can find Mona Wanderlich's links to Mona Wanderlich's uh, SoundCloud, Legang SoundCloud, YouTube, Instagram. Please support these artists that are allowing me to use their music to make the show a much better experience for all of us. And your word of inspiration features music from Lionel Cassio. I saw a ghost last night. You can find information for all of these artists, again, on our show notes page. So you can scroll down if you're on your podcast app or scroll up or something like that. It's in the show notes. Or you can go to our website and click on episode 9 or episode 2.1. If you would like to have your music featured on the show, check out our website for more information on how you can submit. Now, Of Music and Men is much more than just this podcast. The novella series is available in online bookstores, and if you wish to have a physical copy, you can get it on our website at ofmusicandmen.com, where you can also get t-shirts and other cool merch. Don't forget to subscribe at Apple, Stitcher, or wherever you prefer to listen to podcasts. And remember to rate and review. And subscribe, of course. Thank you. <laughs> I'd love to hear what you think. Lastly, connect with us on Patreon, where you can become part of this project and its journey and help it to grow to everything it was meant to be. And of course, make sure to share this some way, somehow with at least one of your friends and follow Of Music and Men everywhere online at Of Music and Men. And when you do, don't hesitate to reach out. Artists and entrepreneurs are a very unique type. We face lots of rejection, almost too often for comfort. So whether you're a seasoned business owner or creator, aspiring to be one, or you simply are just here to hear a great story, I want to always, always leave you with something to ponder until next time. Today's word is from Tom Corley. Success is built upon a mountain of mistakes. The higher that mountain, the greater your success. Do you find yourself making a ton of mistakes or seemingly climbing a mountain that's never ending? On his website, richhabits.net, Tom says, as crazy as it may sound, you want success to take a long time. The longer you pursue success, the more you will learn from your mistakes and failures and the more expert you become in whatever it is you do. Those who pursue success for a long time, he says, build a very strong foundation for success. Thus, the longer success takes, the greater and more permanent the foundation upon which your success will be built. Mm-hmm.